Welcome to today's podcast. I am excited to share with you this conversation that I had with Dr. Lance Setterfield. He is the author of The Concise Guide to Determined Needling. And I've been really excited to get him on the show. I have to agree with him. Derma needling is an amazing treatment, but many people are not doing it quite the way they should. So you're going to want to tune in today to find out how to avoid causing chaos in your practice. Dr. Setterfield talks about his five P's of success in the derma needling realm. He also had some great, I have to say, little quotes about doing and providing this service. And one of them that I really loved is when in doubt, refer out. He also talks a little bit about um, what it takes to have a successful practice offering derma needling and how it can really change somebody's skin and, and really about change their level of confidence, how they feel about themselves. Also, you're going to want to head over to his website, which is needlingguide.com. He talks a lot about something. He said, oh gosh, I wish I would have mentioned this this in the show. And he didn't, but he's going to write a little paper on the use of hyaluronic acid and what you should look for and what you should stay away from. So stay tuned, enjoy the show, and you can visit his website, needlingguide.com for more information. and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Crete. I'm a licensed esthetician, spa owner, industry consultant, speaker, and journalist, and the founder of the Beauty Biz Club, which is the only professional success-based society designed to dramatically up your bookings, increase your profits, and provide you with industry-specific resources that are needed to succeed. If you'd like to know more about how you can become a member of the Beauty Biz Club, please visit beautybizclub.com. Now I invite you to join me as I feature inspirational messages from industry gurus and practical tips to tap into your best success. Stay tuned for some serious Beauty Biz entertainment. Hello, and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Cree, and today I am here with Dr. Lance Setterfield. How are you today, Dr. Setterfield? Great. Thanks, Lori. Thank you for being here. Well, thanks for inviting me to help spread the word about this amazing treatment called microneedling. You know, I really know nothing about this technique. I, I really don't. I should know more. I'm excited you're here because Rumor has it you're like the godfather of microneedling. <laughs> <laughs> People love your trainings and your education and your book and all that fun stuff. So I'm excited to have this conversation with you today. And I probably would like to start, you know, maybe just by you telling me how you found your way, maybe your education and how you found your way into the beauty industry. Well, I never started off on this journey uh, intentionally it's things have evolved over time a friend of mine invited me to start two laser clinics with him which were your typical cookie cutter chemical peels laser hair removal botox and filler and after about two or three years i became quite disillusioned with the results that I was selling to people and not uh, obtaining the results that I was promising. Where were you located, your laser centers? 
Uh, one was in Victoria in Canada and the other one was in Nanaimo. Um, so I got into this almost by accident in that I went to a Botox training course and met somebody who knew about needling. I'd never heard about it and thought, okay, well, this is interesting and it's different from the mad rat race of the industry. Um, so how do I create a distinctive difference? I do something that nobody else is doing. What year was this that you discovered the microneedling or the dermaneedling? It was about 1985. Okay, so really the lasers were just becoming a big deal at that time. Yes, I had just gone to a laser conference in Dallas, which was a massive conference, and Fraxel had won the award for the top idea uh, for that year. Um, and all of, the, all of the treatment modalities were so expensive, and... At the end of the day, I was looking for something that was safe and simple and affordable that I could offer to more than just a few wealthy patients. So this was really the beginning of a Cinderella story where you were offering opportunity to a far greater number of people. I love that. When you start, and it, I mean, not only did you write the book on this, but you actually still do the treatments I hear. I do, um, although I've just moved to the States and I'm not licensed to do treatments down here, but I'm moving into research. So I don't have to convince myself anymore that this actually works. I want to find out more answers of how it works. And um, not many companies have been willing to invest large amounts of money because they know it works. They have before and after pictures, but I want to discover how things work at a gene level and at a growth factor cytokine level. And I believe we've been chasing the wrong cells in this industry. And I have some ideas which are probably going to change the way we do things quite considerably. You're going to disrupt a market. I like it. <laughs> so in case any other beauty practitioner or, or beauty entrepreneur who's listening in is like me and has been living under a rock, could you explain? I don't know much about it. What is dermaneedling? Microneedling has become the catchphrase for a treatment modality that is used for a multitude of skin conditions. And we're basically using specially designed devices with an array of small needles to trigger collagen production as well as collagen remodeling via the wound healing cascade. And this is sometimes referred to as the poor man's laser. You may be familiar with Fraxel, where they use tiny light beams to radiate heat into the depths of the skin to injure it. Whereas with microneedling, we're using tiny pins to create mechanical injury and thus induce regeneration. So these devices may include rollers in the old days versus stamps. Um, tattoo guns or electronic needling pens. And this process initially was um, promoted for reduction of wrinkles and scars and hence some of the names for it. You may have heard percutaneous collagen induction or PCI uh, and also collagen induction therapy or CIT. But really this is a group 
pros of simplification in that needling is about far more than collagen induction. And I don't know, your computer sometimes gives you trouble and doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And you try all sorts of fixes and nothing seems to work. Then you call your IT guy and he says, well, did you reboot your computer? And microneedling um, tends to work in the same way. It resets or re reboots cellular function. So for instance, if your pigment cell is overproducing or underproducing pigment, then needling normalizes melanogenesis or pigment production. And in the same way, uh, keratinocytes, if you have too many of them, it's called hyperkeratinization. And needling normalizes the number of keratinocytes that are formed. Or your sebocyte, which is your oil gland, um, if you needle a sebocyte, it normalizes oil production. So in the future, I believe that needling, for instance, is going to become baseline therapy for acne treatment because it addresses two of the underlying causes. Have you seen just massive improvement in acne scars with this technique? For scars, I don't think there's anything else that comes close to uh, getting results um, when compared to microneedling. Now, people are always worried, oh, I'm going to invest education in this money, my education, and then the next best thing is going to come out. And I think microneedling is always going to be the best treatment for scars. It doesn't matter whether we get into gene therapy or stem cell therapy down the road. Microneedling is still going to be great for scar treatments. And is it just because of what you mentioned before, rebooting, it, it triggers something in that area to rebuild or heal differently? You're rebuilding collagen, so with acne scars, you get what I call a, a hole in the ground, so you're filling up the hole, um, or you have a little mound there, a hypertrophic scar, in which case needling triggers uh, enzymes that remodel collagen and flatten things out. So you're, you're fixing both aspects of scarring, both hyper and hypotrophic scars. But the treatment is quite different. The timing is different. So you have to um, capture the enzyme processes. There's a, a timing in all of this, a life cycle, if you will, of cells um, break down and build up of enzymes, etc. So you have to know how to time your treatment in order to optimize the results. And is that just pertain to like a, a specific skin type or is there a protocol that's pretty standard? I hate to say this because if you go on Facebook, everybody is out there looking for the standard protocol and they focus on paint by numbers, not understanding why they're doing it. So yes, there is a protocol um, and it's not based on the skin type. It's just based on the life cycle of what you're trying to do. If you're trying to, to induce collagen production, then it's every four to eight weeks. And if you're trying to induce remodeling, then it's every two weeks. And then different depths of needles will result in different outcomes as well. Okay, so 
disclaimer, don't try this at home. We're having a conversation here to all the listeners, but what does your standard treatment look like or the standard treatment for an esthetician? Is it the double cleanse? Is it because I'm going to be honest with you. I went to the Dallas trade show last year with one of your former students. And she said, you have to get this roller because Dr. Setterfield recommends it. And I've had it sitting for one year in my medicine cabinet. I've used it once. I made my face raw and I've been scared to use it again because I don't know how. And I know that this is an epidemic happening in our industry that we'll chat about in a minute. <laughs> yes. Well, unfortunately, you know, and I'm partly to blame for this because in the beginning, my mantra was I wanted something safe, affordable and effective. And everybody was saying, well, you just take the roller and you take a tube of cream and um, you injure the cells to trigger the wound healing cascade. And then you support the cell function with the ingredients, the active ingredients in your cream and everything looks great. But it's become really apparent that there's far, far more to this than meets the eye. And unfortunately, now many people are running with that simplistic idea and they're not you know, ignorance is bliss. They're not aware of the damage they could do. And now because of the massive scale of people doing this all over the world, now the bad things are starting to show up. Well, gosh, you can buy it on QVC, a derma needle roller. Yeah, and every, everybody wants to do it themselves. And it's not like they couldn't do it themselves, but there are so many exceptions to the rule. And even professionals, including doctors and dermatologists, are stepping on landmines and wrecking people's skins and faces. And, you know, then you've got the emotional component to that. And this is not a simple treatment or little facial that you're going to do in your clinic or your spa. You can really ruin somebody's life with this, or you can have great results if you really know what you're doing. And most of these complications um, are predictable and preventable. If you know what you're doing and you take a good history and you do a good exam, most of the complications referred to me, I could have said, man, this was going to happen almost for sure. Um, so if, you, if you're going to go to Facebook, for instance, to, to seek advice, and there are some horrendous things going on out there on Facebook, you're going to get free advice. And free advice is just that. When, when the pawpaw hits the fan and you have to go to court, the people that gave you the expert advice on Facebook are not going to go and sit in the dock with you and face the consequences. So my new mantra is, if in doubt, refer it out. And I think one of the biggest take home messages of this talk today would be stick within your scope of practice. Don't be greedy. Don't try and do things on the other side of the fence that you ought not to. You can still make a very good living um, working within your scope of practice. There's more work than you can shake a stick at within your scope of practice and um, get educated, know what you're doing. Don't learn by your mistakes. You can learn by mine. I've made dozens of them over the last 10 years. And um, would you be willing to share a mistake? Because I think everybody looks at somebody like you who's really considered a guru 
in a particular niche in our industry and they think it's always been easy. Was there something that looking back now you go, Oh my goodness, I can't even believe that happened or I did that. Well, you know, at the time it's not that, that it was considered the wrong thing to do. It was, it was considered the right thing to do. And then when I did it enough and I started seeing the complications, I thought, Oh heavens, you know, there has to be a better way. And Part of that whole thing was less is best. So we started off at two and three millimeters with these needling devices and we made mincemeat out of people's skins. And then we started getting complications like scars. You know, it's supposed to treat scars, but actually a lot of people are being scarred because of the incorrect technique. Um, Oh, it's just the products that I used were too aggressive, too much, too quickly in combination with such as chemical peels, etc. And slow and steady wins the race. So you just have to be selective with your patients. If they have high expectations, then perhaps this is not for them. Um, there's a certain clientele that are drawn towards needling and it's more um, those that are wanting a natural treatment as opposed to all this fake looking Botox and fillers and um, plastic surgery or whatever. Um, so you will have a clientele that will do really well with this. They'll be loyal, they'll stick with it, but you have to recognize who not to recommend this for. Again, I call it my, my five P's of success. You have to select the right patient, not only expectation wise, but knowing whether they are, whether you're going to fail, you know, not everybody does well on needling and you can pretty much predict who is not going to get as good a result as the next person. So you want to manage those expectations before you start the program. So you have to put the right patient in the seat and that comes with hard work. There's no shortcuts in all of this. You've got to take a good history. You've got to do a, uh, a good examination and analysis, skin analysis. You have to draw the correct conclusions and uh, then you have to educate the patient so that they stick with the plan. So if they're into instant gratification, then microneedling is not for them. You've just dropped a bunch of great little quotes, mantras, one-liners. Um, I love when in doubt, refer it out. And so many people are scared of losing a client, but it's actually really the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, I have a friend who is this unbelievable esthetician, celebrity esthetician, big city gal. And she said, it's the only thing that's ever truly gotten her in trouble and scared her in her practice. The needle she didn't know it because it's so tiny, had a little snag in it or something, and she mm -hmm. scarred a face of a celebrity. And mm -hmm. they're, they'll come after you. That's their moneymaker, right? So let's talk about quality of a needle. And how do you know? The difficult thing is you don't know because you can pay 30 bucks for a cartridge and it can be a very poor quality, or you can pay 10 bucks and have a, a high quality. So you typically have to look at where the needle comes from. And I hate to generalize and, you know, paint everything with a black uh, stroke, but 
if it's made in Korea, it's probably better than if it's made in China. If it's made in Germany or Japan, it's probably better than in China. But unfortunately, you, you don't know. And so if you go cheap, and but expensive doesn't mean better either. That's the catch in this whole industry. And so my student that told you, oh, he recommends this roller and you should go with it because it's great. The only reason I'm really stuck with that roller and I'm going to get myself in trouble now. But, <laughs> I won't ask uh, you to say the name unless you want to. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say the name. But, um, you know, I used it a lot. And in five years, I maybe had five people come back with needles falling out or the roller squeaking or catching or whatever. You can't tell just by looking at these things, even under magnifier, you can't really tell whether they're good quality or not. You have to put them in the hands of lots of people. And then only through experience can you tell. And, you know, we're so busy chasing the next new thing in our businesses and trying to stay abreast with education and all the rest that to switch devices every six months or so because the price is not what you'd like it to be or something it just is a massive undertaking that takes too long. So, you know, once you find something that your friends recommend and they haven't had trouble, that's a better way to look at it than me telling you uh, go with this brand or that brand because there may be a brand that's really good that I don't know about. So that wouldn't do you any service. Um, and that's why I try, try to, I've tried to remain an independent educator in all of this product generic so to speak or equipment generic so that point that point that you raised there now is she injured somebody with a bent needle the, the five p's of my success is select, selecting the right patient it's selecting the right product and the product ingredients so the patient is a tricky thing because they're always coming through the door and you don't have a lot of control on who's coming through the door but your products you can go and sit down and research them adequately so that you know whatever you're handing to the patient is a good product and your device you can go and research on the strength of the motors and where the needles are made and the configuration and the pluses and minuses of that particular needling device and then you can also learn the frequency of um, your treatments which influences your um, inflammatory cascade so if you treat too often then you're going to get more inflammation and you're going to get scarring or hyperpigmentation and then finally you can figure out the depth of your needle and I just would like to distinguish uh, um, with needling it's classified as cosmetic or at home treatments versus um, medical needling based on the length of the needle and i don't like that classification because cosmetic implies makeup and mickey mouse things and the depth of the needle injuring the epidermis can do some wonderful things it does far more than everybody gives it credit for and 
the medical need link, people say, okay, well, I'm using a one millimeter and that's medical. It's not the length of the needle that makes something medical. It's the condition that you're treating. So for instance, pigment can be melasma, which is a hormonally driven thing. And therefore that's medical. Pigment can be a brown spot from sun damage, and that could be considered um, cosmetic, whereas the tissues are allowed to treat that. But pigment could also be a melanoma, which again is medical. So it's not the length of the needle that makes the treatment medical or cosmetic, but from a lawyer's perspective, trade industry perspective, 0.2 and 0.3 are considered cosmetic, 0.5 is considered medical, and if you really want to get extreme, probably a three millimeter, which they don't really make anymore, is considered surgical. Um, so don't focus on the length of the needle, and then people get hung up on, oh, you know, give me your protocol, how deep should I go? Well, one device might have a very weak needle, or you might have a needle configuration that has lots of needles, and then those needles are not going to go into the depth that the device says it's going into. So you set it at a 0.5, the needle may only be going in at 0.3. So practitioners really have to start using their brain and see what's happening, and you know, if it's set at 0.2 and they're bleeding, then then maybe your device is either malfunctioning where it's going in deeper or maybe the setting is not working properly. You really have to be clinically attuned to what you're doing and not just sit back and, and relax and trust everything. I don't do this. I don't even know in California if it's within our scope of practice. I've heard different things and never researched it myself, but... Mm -hmm. What is a cosmetic treatment with the derma needling or the derma roller? What would that just penetration of products, opening the skin up so that is allowed? Yeah, so, you know, how, how does microneedling work? You're basically allowing more infusion of products into the skin. So I always look at... Uh, what are we trying to accomplish in our, in our business? We're trying to optimize the health of the cell and support it in its function so that your skin can look its best. So depending on what cell we're trying to support, that's where your product ingredients come into action. Then cosmetic rollers or, or pens going into a depth of 0.1 to 0.3, they are creating channels to allow 80% more infusion of your products to go in. And then 0.5 and deeper is going all the way into the dermis. And now you're infusing ingredients into your body that can trigger an inflammatory response. And this is where people are getting into trouble. So from a cosmetic perspective, it's probably okay to infuse different things into the epidermis because that's not necessarily penetrating all the way into the body and therefore causing allergic reactions and sensitive skins. But a lot of companies are encouraging you to infuse whatever they have in their bottle. And this is causing havoc now in the industry because they haven't necessarily done testing to prove that it's safe to infuse that into the 
into the dermis. And if you're infusing things into the dermis and it doesn't have a DIN number and it's not considered a drug, you could get into a lot of trouble, especially in California. So do you, with my needle at home, again, off the record, use it with nothing on my face, very gently. I got the most mellow thing you could ever buy because I'm not an aggressive esthetician and this is only for my skin, not my clients. Okay, so if it's a point three, then you're you're actually causing injury to the keratinocyte as well. So like like I started off saying here, when you're using a home device at point two or point three, you're allowing more infusion, but you actually are triggering um, release of cell to cell communication, growth factors, and cytokines that tell the cells what to do. So you're not just infusing your miracle grow or aerating the lawn to let the fertilizer penetrate, but you're also trigger, triggering cell-to-cell communication. So it's okay for you to use appropriate products, and that's you know a whole another talk by itself um, with your home device. But then I would encourage people not to use all these products that companies are trying to upsell you to use uh, with the medical needling, because the advantage that you're going to gain after one application of some sort of infusion is minimal. When you go to a restaurant once a month or the gym once a month, you're not going to sustain uh, any long-term result with with um, going to the gym once a month. You really need to work out every day. So your home care is your everyday workout and then your medical needling in your clinic, if it's within your scope of practice, um, would be sort of the jump starting of the whole process to get to point B much faster. Well, that makes sense. I, I, went on your website before we hopped on the call. And I want to thank you. I know you've been so busy and for taking the time to be here. I really, truly appreciate it. Um, I got to the point where I felt like I was kind of bugging you, but I wasn't going to give up because I really wanted to have this conversation <laughs> with you. So while I was on your website, I looked at, and people can go to your website. Would you just give a shout out to what it is so they can dive deeper into our conversation? Needlingguide.com. Okay, you have on there, I think it's on the homepage, the pitfalls and the keys to success. So give me the number one pitfall that you can pull from that page and let's chat about it and then let's talk about the number one key to success. And I think they're probably very in line with each other, right? Polar opposite ends of a spectrum. Um, well, <laughs> this is like choosing your child that you have to give up to somebody. You know? <laughs> um, they are all important to me, but I think the most important thing to success is choosing the right patient. Uh, and you're not treating a condition, you're treating a patient and all the intricacies and exceptions to the rule that they bring to the table. And I guess the next biggest landmine that people are going to step on is they're going to think it's safe and a safe treatment to do and simple and they're not going to get the training and they're going to just wing it and they'll do um, you know, because anybody can go and beat somebody up in the street right 
but can they put them back together again? And so now you go into the hospital and have a professional put you back together again. And so hopefully the people that are listening to this program are wanting to be professionals and they want to know not just how to beat the person up, but how to put them back together again. So it's a com complex training that people should get. And this is not simple. And you can have amazing results, yes. And most times, thank heavens, uh, bad things don't happen. But in your higher Fitzpatrick types, people are going to get into trouble. You live in California, lots of sunshine, lots of darker skin types now in the States. You're going to get into trouble. And I can almost predict with certainty how you're going to get into trouble and help you avoid that. I am definitely a systems kind of girl. So can we go back and talk about, I, I know people are going to want to know your five P's of success. Patient, product, I have those written down. What's number three? Um, penetration depth. Okay. And then four? Um, the timing between treatments. And number five? Um, I'm going to forget my own P's. Um, pen selection. Okay. Or device selection. Maybe you could even add another little bit to this name, the five P's of professional success, because we had a little conversation before we hopped on our podcast today about we need to raise the level of professionalism. It's my mission and the industry as a whole, and it really seems to be your mission in this niche within our beauty industry. Yes, I think, you know, one, one of my biggest fears is the FDA are certainly getting involved at a greater level there, but it's not necessarily with people that have an understanding of what the pitfalls are in, in all of this, and uh, I'm probably going to get into trouble again, but a lot of what the FDA have come forward with in recent times has still not averted the potential dangers to the patients that we're treating. Uh, so those loopholes are still open and available for abuse. And um, what I'm worried about is that if people are just winging it, they're going to make mistakes and this is going to end up more and more in the courts and then the FDA are going to be obliged to take action and they're going to create all sorts of restrictions in California already Institutions are limited in what they're allowed to do. The loophole being if you're a permanent makeup um, institution, you are allowed to do perform these treatments under your permanent makeup license. Um, but I can't stress enough that we really have to, as a group, start behaving ourselves and treating this treatment modality with respect. Otherwise, we're going to be have severe limitations imposed on us by people that don't know what they're doing. And then, you know, it's a knee-jerk reaction that is um, unrealistic and uncalled for. Well, I have a lot of listeners in the beauty industry from all over the world. If I could help you on your movement at all, I'm thrilled. So if somebody was considering if they already are doing this, what would you say first step to, to up your game and be that professional? Would it be to go on your website and grab your book? Start there? I think you should start with my book. My third edition um, is basically 15 years of clinical uh, and practical experience with a lot of research involved. I've spent 
years researching different uh, abstracts on how does this actually work? Why are we seeing what we're seeing? And I've taken complicated stuff and distilled it into easier to understand information. In my book, I even highlight uh, the most important things in blue. So if you're cramming for an exam and you just read the blue print, you'll probably pass, but that's not the idea. So I would start <laughs> with the book. It's certainly the most up-to-date and includes pretty much all you need to know to get a result safely. Um, and then the online course, I can't be everywhere at once. I keep getting these messages, please come to Boston as the song goes, or please come to New Zealand, Australia. I can't be everywhere at once. So I created the online course to fill that void to disseminate, disseminate the information. But then the live course is really taking all the theory that you have to be able to connect the dots of, okay, I want to treat somebody with a brown spot today. Now I've got to go into the, sec the, the book section on anatomy and physiology of um, melanocytes. Then I've got to go into the ingredient section. Then I've got to go into the, the needling depth section. So you've got to be able to connect the dots in the whole book to treat that one patient. So the live class is kind of like baking a cake where I take all the ingredients that you can find in the store, I put them in one box and I give the recipe of the four most common things that you're going to see coming through your door every day. And that's wrinkles, pigmentation, scars, and sensitive skins. If I know you said you can't be everywhere at once and I get it, it's exhausting to travel, but you are in the States now. If people come to you with a group, you're willing to give these classes, right? I can and I will. I'll also go to other places in the States, but right now I'm in Austin and, um, you know, plane flights are not that expensive. I've got a wonderful facility that I can teach here in and um, I'm sort of at a crossroads in my life now where I'm not sure what the future holds. So I don't know whether I'm going to continue with the live classes, but certainly, um, you know, my passion has been to to protect this wonderful treatment modality because it changes people's lives in a very positive way. There's some things that money can't buy, you know, and you treat a, a young teenager with acne scars and you see that little twinkle in their eye afterwards and that is so rewarding. So I would encourage people to look at this treatment modality, but respect it as well. And um, I think it'll bring a lot of joy as well as success into what you're already doing. That little twinkle in the eye is so deeply rooted to somebody's level of confidence. It's it is very rewarding when you can help somebody with something that they've probably been told a million times deal with it because there's nothing we can do, right? Mm hmm. But I think why this treatment modality is so successful and is taking off, you know, the doctors were the last ones to embrace it. Estheticians get it and they're doing really well with it. Now the doctors sort of want to take it away from them. But I think what's driving this whole thing is real people are going on the Internet, speaking to other people with the same problem and seeing that, wow, this does work. It's amazing. 
I am curious, like I said, when we hopped on the phone, I don't know much about this modality at all, but what is the average ticket price on this? I'm sure it varies, but what do you think is fair for somebody to charge for this type of service? It really varies quite a bit around the world. In Canada, I was charging $500 a patient uh, for a face. And that was an easy sell because Fraxel was $1,200. So I could sell a treatment for $500 and give them $700 worth of products, which would last them seven months, and they'd be way ahead of the game. So it was an easy sell for me. But here in the States, because more and more people are doing the Groupon thing and eating each other up, um, you know, they're undercutting to the point where maybe it's 200 or 250, maybe 300 if they're really brave and know what they're doing. In Europe, it's in Spain, 60 euros for a treatment. So it's hardly possible to open the door and stay in business at 60, $60 for a treatment or 60 euros eating each other up with Groupon and I call it desperate discounting. That's a whole other conversation we can have. And if you are good at something and you're educated, please charge what you're worth and, and people will invest in it. For sure. And I've had patients come from all over the world to see me because of word of mouth. You don't have to invest a lot of money in, um, you know, back in the old days, it was the yellow pages and now Google wants to suck you dry, but, and, and Facebook, but word of mouth is still your best, um, promotional tool and needling will get you the results that will encourage people to go out there and brag about you. Well, I so appreciate this conversation. And once again, I want you to share your website and you guys, you can go on there. He has a ton of information and grab the book, sign up for the online course, maybe bribe you into doing a, a in-person class if they can get a group of people. Will you tell them your website one more time before we go today? Needlingguide.com. Awesome. And they're, and they're after my third edition of my book, not the second. And the book is now available in Spanish as well. And as of this week, it's being translated into Portuguese for the Brazil market. Wow. Well, I sure hope you keep doing what you're doing. I know you said you're transitioning maybe, but um, I know you have changed. I, I'm all over the place talking to practitioners who love you, love what you do, and you've changed your business in a beautiful way. Well, thanks, Laurie, and thanks again for helping spread the message about this wonderful treatment modality. Of course. And um, again, I appreciate you being here and I'm going to grab your book. So thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Sutterfield. Oh, you're welcome, Laurie. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the Beauty Biz Show. I hope this episode leaves you feeling inspired to build the beauty biz of your dreams. If you'd like to know more about how you can become a member of the Beauty Biz Club, the only professional success-based society designed to fuel your success by providing you with the ongoing resources that are needed to excel in the beauty industry, please visit beautybizclub.com. Again, that's beautybizclub.com. Also, if you'd like a copy of my free report, Top 10 Secrets of Successful Beauty Biz Practitioners, please visit lauricrete.com. 